Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The Celtics Podcast. All things Celtics. Isaiah. For three. All things green. I got the ball. All things NBA. He believes that he can be a very special player. The Celtics Podcast starts now. Here's WEEI.com's Mike Petralia. Welcome back to the latest edition of the Celtics podcast brought to you by JBL. My name is Mike Petralia, otherwise known as Trags. I am joined again by the inimitable one, Ben Kitchen, a star producer for WEEI, the Dale and Holly program, the recently promoted Ben Kitchen, I might add. Can we, we can say that, right? Sure, we can. I just said it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, we can say it. You know, have you ever we thought... We don't have to talk about it, but we can say it. Ha- have you ever been taught in radio to smile when you speak. Absolutely. Right. I'm trying to smile now because the drive in here today, and I live about, I live in Sudbury, I live about uh, 20 miles, 22 miles away, sucked. It sucked. It put me in the shittiest mood, and I was really ticked off, and I'm trying to, you know, get over it. Yeah, you're trying to work through it right now, and I can I, tell I, you, you have the smile on your face, just so people... Right. You, you kind of look like the Jack Nicholson Joker right now, with yes. this really forced big smile. <laughs> yes, exactly. If, that, if they can't see us, were, but that is it. If only there were a camera if in only. here to video this podcast. Nobody but wants to look I'm at trying, us. No, and for good reason. <laughs> and uh, probably if I keep this rant up, nobody's going to want to listen to us either, oh. but... Anyway, uh, I was in a crappy mood, and I'm just, the sun is out now. We at least have a window out onto the mass pipe <laughs> behind us, and I'm trying to get myself in a good mood. Watched the Celtics on Monday night and came away with a lot of um, mixed feelings about this Celtics team, which has really been in, in keeping with, I think, the theme of their first three weeks, four weeks now of the season, you don't know what to make of these Celtics. They lose on the road to a good Houston team, the best or the most prolific three-point shooting team in the NBA. There's been so much talk about in the last two weeks, should the Celtics be taking as many three-point shots They brought it up in the game last night. What? They brought it up in the game last night that they're shooting too many threes. And now they face the number one three-point shooting team in the NBA. And I really thought this is a game they let get away. They lose at 107-106. A lot of angles to go over in this one game that kind of encapsulates what the Celtics have been all about um, in the first month of the season. Uh, Namely, they get off to a slow start. They have a tremendous third quarter. They outscore the Rockets 35-19. And just when you think they're up six points with four minutes to go, they've really got control of the game. They let it slip away. They have defensive breakdowns and transition all over the place. And you're like, what's going on? Can't these Celtics put it together defensively in the clutch when it matters? Well, there was, uh, there was moments where they had put it together defensively but then couldn't transition and turn it around offensively like with about four minutes to go in the fourth Marcus Smart with an incredible block yes that block was amazing yes it was he pushes the ball up they take a long three miss balls going back for Houston and it's stuff like that's aggravating because you have that glimpse and it's like okay now you need to convert 
to make that worth four points instead of just the two, and they can't convert, or five points, and they couldn't convert. And it's watching those moments is insanely aggravating because they take really, yes, they shoot a lot of threes, but they take a lot of bad threes. That's unnecessary the problem, ben. threes. Ben, that is pure and simple what my issue with the Celtics taking so many three pointers are. I wrote about this last week. It wasn't the 42 three-point shots they took against Detroit that was the issue. Mm -hmm. It was the 29 misses. Yeah. And those 29 misses lead to a 52-33 discrepancy in rebounding and lead to transition. And it's look, any team's going to have trouble in transition defense when you have that many missed three-pointers, right? Absolutely. Because the first thing you do, all you have to do, look at the good teams, look at Golden State, look at Cleveland, look at even San Antonio, even though they don't take a lot of threes. But the moment you miss a three, they're off to the races. And that's one of the things the Celtics still have to work on, uh, I think, if they're going to reach the next level. And, you know, they've got to, I think, find the happy medium. They took the 42 threes on Wednesday in the loss against Detroit. They scaled it back to, I think it was 28 in the win over Sacramento and DeMarcus Cousins. We'll get to him yeah, later. Yeah, we'll get there. Yes, we will. But uh, they scaled it back, and I thought they found the happy medium. And, you know, I just think a team in this NBA, and Danny Ainge knows this, is going to have to take a lot of three-pointers just because of possessions in all of the – uh, statistics and you know I'm, I'm looking for the word all of the um, metrics yep. involved in taking three pointers uh, versus your possessions and how many possessions you, nice cell phone ringer by the way anyway uh, we're it's, rambling it's the here. damn conference call again <laughs> all right but no. anyway th they have to make up their mind what is the sweet spot of how many three pointers they should take in a game and they're averaging about 31 per game. That may be a bit high, but I'm comfortable with it as long as they play better transition defense. Well, absolutely. I mean, they have to play better transition defense because they're getting burned left and right. And, you know, when, it, when a superstar like James Harden torches you for 37 and 8 and 8, I believe that but was That's going to happen. Yeah, that, that's inevitable. He's right. that good offensively. Right. But you didn't do enough to kind of expose him defensively. There was a couple of problems I had with that game last night. I mean, Clint Capella is a decent five. Decent. He's not great, but he he's only decent. played twenty-one minutes. You I mean, should have. They they really didn't expose him that much. You should you should have tried to go after him more. You should have tried to play a little more down low. Now after that Kings game on Friday night, yep. You know, Tommy was talking. They asked Tommy if they went and got a guy like Demarcus Cousins or like what's Demarcus Cousins' role in the NBA? Is he kind of being phased out of the NBA? That type of player, not him. But that type of low-post right, player. Right, right, And Tommy even said it, and he's like, no, that guy is actually going to be more valuable than ever because as the game, as, as coaches figure out how to defend the three-point line better, that guy's going to become even more of a focal point because now you, you're stretched all the way out to defend That's the three-point line. That's the whole point. Line. You're looking in the NBA, today's NBA, you're looking obviously for three-point shooters. Mm -hmm. You're looking for guys who can score in transition, and you're looking for bigs who can get out on the perimeter. Now, the Celtics have one in Kelly Olenek, but he is not anywhere remotely close to being as dynamic as a DeMarcus Cousins. No, not because, well, because Cousins can rebound. He can shoot the three. He can dribble, drive, penetrate. He can do everything you want of a big man, and he can do it starting 30 feet, 25 feet from the basket. And that is, you know, to Tommy's point, certainly 
where the NBA has been heading for the last five years or so. I want to, by the way, before we get to DeMarcus Cousins, mm-hmm. I want to talk about the end of the Houston game. <laughs> do we have to? Yeah, we do. Right. That's what we do. Fine. The bunny that Al, Big Al misses. I, you know, it happens. He's a human and you feel bad for the guy. He got the lane to the back. I don't think he knew how close he was to the basket when he let the, the, the well, that's shot usually, go. Well, that's usually the case when you see someone. And what he did was he powered through a um, through a layup and he put it up off the glass way it. too loud, uh, way too hard. Right, though. and that's why it went long the other way. But that's that's infuriating. That is infuriating from a six foot ten guy to miss a gimme like that. A guy that is a stretch four. He's a stretch four. Right, playing at the five. Even though he probably would rather be a five, he's a stretch four playing at the five. But Jesus, it it, it makes you sit back and go. All right, you love chucking threes. Is that all you're practicing? You got to practice that down low stuff. And he had a good game. He had a very good game. He was one for five from three point range. But he had a good game. He had a good game. He was nine of 22. He missed a lot of shots just beyond the last one of the game. He missed a lot of shots. Um, And, you know, obviously there's some irony in that is he at least got 22 shots. Uh, He's been averaging, I think, 14, 15 shots a game since Mm -hmm. he had those five against Detroit in that loss. And, like, the world came to an end and everybody lost their mind over him only getting five shots. But Brad Stevens has been making the point, and I think it's a good one, that – Hey, if he get only takes five shots, but he's getting a lot of touches down low and freeing things up for the guys on the perimeter, that's really what matters. Mm-hmm. Brad's nobody, nobody can calm a situation down and bring people back from the edge like Brad Stevens. Oh, he is the master of that. He totally is. Like I, I usually don't like that when they, uh, you know, during the commercial break, they show the huddle. Usually, there's nothing of consequence there. But listening to him speak to his team is actually very interesting. More so than even Doc was. Because Doc was kind of interesting because it was a player talking to other players, kind right, of. Right, But with Brad, it's... It's how... a professor in the huddle. Exactly. A basketball professor who never yells at his students, who is trying to get them to understand why we're asking you to do a certain thing on the court. And that's what it's all about. And after the game, I, I don't think I've... Well, a couple of times, I think... Stevens will call out a player saying um, that that's really not in our system. That's kind of outside the realm of what we do. That's about as close as he will ever come to calling out a player. Yeah. He won't do it directly. Yeah. I I just – that was a very frustrating game last night. Um, the end of the Kings game was pretty frustrating too on Friday night just because they were allowing a team, a bad team – to stay yeah. alive, and and I it, it was it was remarkable that the Kings were that close. And, well, They're not as bad as Philadelphia. The, the Kings no. are not as bad as Philly. But there was but, a horrible foul on Cousins. You know, okay. Cousins ch- chucking a three. And, okay, and foul him. Here's my issue with Kelly. One of my many issues we've, with Kelly. I think Olenek. we've had the same exact conversation we're about to have already on this show, and we're probably going to have it five more times. We are because it bears repeating. Look, every the people on the broadcast lost their mind when Kelly Olenek was called for jumping into the shooter, falling short, and then the shooter, and I forget who it was, it was a guard, jumped into Kelly to draw the foul. Mm-hmm. Well, at the end of, um uh, trying to think, the game on the ro- New Orleans. At the end of the New Orleans game, the difference was Kelly Olenek fouling because he jumped into the shooter. Yes. They made one, Tim Frazier, I believe, made yes, one of right. two free throws. 
And that was the difference in the game. They lost to a horrible New Orleans team. So, apparently, Kelly's not paying attention. He commits the same foul in the Sacramento game. People are screaming all over Twitter, going, losing their mind. And I'm like, well, maybe he didn't foul him. But at some point, Kelly has to learn the technique. You don't jump at a shooter. You jump up in his face. You, you know, you move straight your up. feet. You move your feet, get in front of him, then jump straight up. All right? If you jump at a shooter and you land three feet in front of you from where you began, and then the shooter jumps into you, the ref is going to call that on you. Every time. Every time. Why are you surprised by that? Now, Kelly Olenek has, it seems to me he has a very low basketball IQ. Sometimes I think that is the case. I do think he, he still has a lot of skill to bring to the court. Let, okay, now from Kelly Olenek, from the sublime to the ridiculous, DeMarcus Cousins. I know you think that the Celtics should do everything possible to get him on the rock. Is he worth a lottery pick? Well, it's a lottery pick and what? You have to make the money work, you know, but, or could be it could be a three-way trade if the Celtics. So if you did a straight-up one-on-one. If you did a straight up one on one, the way the money matches is for just Demarcus Cousins. Fifteen percent. Yeah, but the, the, through the numbers, it would be Amir Johnson and Jay Crowder. That's right. how the money works. Correct. And then whatever pick you want to give up. So really, you ask the question of: Is he worth a lottery pick? I say a one for one, a Cousins for a lottery pick. Yes, he's worth it. Now here's the problem: Is it if if it's Cousins for Amir Johnson, Jay Crowder, and a pick? That's the yeah, that's really not, the question. It's not the lottery. No, that won't happen. I can no. almost guarantee you that will not happen. The Celtics are not that desperate. Um, so what do you, I okay, would be? It, I, and I would be. People would are. Gonna, you, would you give up Amir Johnson yeah, and Jay Crowder yes, with Absolutely. a pick package? Absolutely. Okay. So what would the pick package be? Would it have to be? It'd be a first round non protected pick, non lottery pick. Do you think just one non protected oh, pick gets if, it done? If it takes two picks. Uh, you do two picks. You do Johnson, you do Crowder, you do two picks, and get the deal done and get him here. Because I I think you put uh, DeMarcus Cousins on this roster um, at more of the makes-up for the loss, I think, of, of Jay Crowder. I really do. I mean, Absolutely. I, I think, uh, look, Jay Crowder is a terrific defender. He's their best, most versatile defender. We hear that all the time yep. from Brad. But I think you do that in a heartbeat. I think so, too. I, I don't think you even question it. I say, all right, where do we sign and let's get it done. Um, I just, after Friday night, I've waffled on DeMarcus Cousins a lot because of the attitude problems. Right. And then watching him Friday night, I haven't seen a combination of power and finesse like that since Shaq. And Shaq didn't even really have that finesse that DeMarcus does because DeMarcus was putting up shots that you don't see big men put up and go in. And he'd bully you down there, and then he was so soft-handed around the rim that it was very impressive. The one thing I don't like is that he's trying to stretch himself out further and further. So I'm going to ask you the question that I asked an NBA scout who has watched a ton of basketball before Friday night's game with Sacramento. I said, would you do it? He asked me the following question. Who's going to police DeMarcus Cousins on the Celtics? Because that is an issue. You don't have a KG. Isaiah Thomas, I said, what about Isaiah? He knows him. He played with him. No, they're too close, too buddy-buddy. That won't work. And I'm like, really? He's like, that is the NBA, Trags. If a, a player like Isaiah knows DeMarcus, there are certain things DeMarcus will listen to him on, and they have too close a relationship. You need an authoritarian influence over DeMarcus to say, cut the shit on the court, stop whining, stop, you know, 
you know, berating coaches in the huddle, all the crap. And we're not even talking about what he does off the off the, away from the game, away from practice, or you know, off the court. We're talking about what he does in a game that's distracting. Yeah. And you need some the pouting and the bitching, the, right? And you need somebody to reel him in. Who's that going to be on the Celtics? That's a good question, but. Do you do you need necessarily another player to do that with this organization? The reason I say that is you look at the Kings. They've been in such flux over the last seven, eight, nine, ten years where ownership has changed and ownership buys into the guy and doesn't really care can about Brad the coaches. Can Brad do it? Can Brad do it? I think with the backing of the organization, he can. But there's a problem with that is he plays out of control sometimes. Marcus Smart plays out of control sometimes. You love the intensity. But it's too much sometimes. If you two of those guys on the court at the same time, how much does that problem? Uh, how much I, of a problem I'm not is that? worried about that. I, if they're on the court at the same time, I'm not worried about them both playing out of control. You're, look, if you get Demarcus Cousins, you clearly want what he can do for you on both ends of the court, the physical presence on the post, the scoring, the re, all of it. You need that if you're going to challenge Cleveland and Toronto. You need. That kind of player. Do you think the Celtics are the second best team in the Eastern Conference? Not right now. I do not. They are clearly the third best team behind Cleveland and Toronto. Now, I think with DeMarcus Cousins, it's obvious you're the second best team in the Eastern Conference. Yes. And you put Toronto well behind you at you're that the point. Second, you're the second most talented team. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I, it still doesn't get it done, though. That's the problem. It's That still cannot beat Cleveland out. Okay, we need to talk about another player who was in trade rumors three, three and a half weeks ago who had a historic night oh, on Monday night. God. Now that points and a half? Clay Thompson, the first player in shot clock era NBA to have 60 points in under 30 minutes. Do you realize how remarkable that is? Do you know what, who the next closest player was to do that? In that amount of time? In that amount of time. Was it, Le- it was Larry Bird, okay. 1986. He had 42 points in 30 minutes. Think about that. He, Clay Thompson, in the 147-106 win over Indiana Monday night, had 60 points in 29 minutes. They, I think his possession time averaged 1.3 seconds, 1.5 seconds, something ridiculous. The ball, when it was in his hands, an average of 1.3 seconds every possession that he that he touched the ball. That is mind-blowing, and he, what did he shoot? Now, what does that guy do when he doesn't have to share the ball with two other elite scorers in Durant and Curry? If he's the focal point of a team, he's a 30-point-per-game guy. Clay Thompson, absolutely. You know, that very high 20 to low 30-point-per-game guy, especially on this type of Celtics team. See, I I, I was I poo-pooed that at first, and then I see a game well, like that. I think you poo-pooed it because it was ridiculous, more than anything. Right. But because it was, what Golden State would get back in return, I, I think would gut the Celtics. But if you put Clay Thompson on the Celtics now— with, and and he he does give you that dynamic that they don't have right now. The, he is a legitimate six seven wing guard, elite scorer. And I still think, even though Isaiah is scoring, don't you get the impression when you watch Isaiah that there, he needs more scoring support? 
Don't you get that feeling? Absolutely. And and Avery Bradley's second on the team, and he's averaging like 17.4, uh, 17.6 points a game. That's not bad. But why is it, Ben, when we watch Isaiah and Avery together, we're like, yeah, they need more. Maybe is maybe it's because when you bring Terry Rozier and Marcus Smart off the bench, you're like, oh, their scoring literally falls into the Grand Canyon. Yeah, that and maybe that's it. They somehow need to find this wing guy, this guaranteed shooter. Uh, I'm sorry, guaranteed scorer. They need more scoring, dependable scoring. Well, I mean, that's part of the uh, part of what I've liked about Horford for the most part is that he's been putting up decent numbers he's been really adding to that dimension that they've been missing that you were just talking about but with clay i mean you have to give up avery i think you have to give up avery to get clay uh, i i'm more and more leaning towards if if it, if that's you've said crowder in oh, the past I, I would i would give up right now i think i would give up crowder and avery for clay i would i definitely without would a heartbeat now last night's game there's i thought there was some things that were very encouraging Mostly from the rookie, Jalen Brown. Yes. Now, his athleticism came through last night. There was a point where Celtics were on transition, and he ran by everybody to get to the lane. Without a problem, he ran by everybody. I need to see more. More, more, more. And he hit a three, and they're talking about, Scal's talking about how he's been shooting a lot of threes in practice, getting comfortable with that shot, which he needs to do. Because we've seen him, he's a little out of control. His athleticism takes over too much when he drives to the lane and gets himself in trouble. So if he can add that dimension, if he can become a serviceable three-point shooter, that's going to open up the entire floor for him. Jalen Brown, I don't think, is going to be a serviceable three-point shooter in his rookie year. No shot. I, I oh, just, I'm just talking about his general progression moving forward. Yeah, I, Because he's so athletically gifted, he can run by anybody at that position. With the I, exception of two guys. I think I still think he's more valuable on the defensive end. He, he gives a body who can rebound. I, I, I'm more concerned, or more interested in the energy he can bring than I am about his ability to score. Now, if you want more time for Jalen Brown, it means Jonas Jarebko, who has been shooting lights out. He went through a stretch of 20 of 24 uh, from the field. That is the best stretch over three games or four games in a decade in the NBA. That means Jonas Jarebko, I think, has to spend more time on the bench if you want want to find more time for Jalen Brown. I do. I just do. I want to see more Brown on the court. I want to see him. Uh, I want to see him get time with the first unit as well, which does isn't going to happen very much. But I want to see more. I need to see more. They're twelve and nine. You think? Most fans are like, they're making progress. Do you think most fans think that they're making progress? I don't think fans think that, but I think that. Yeah, I, I you can slowly, slowly see it. Um, I mean, I, I even throw out the Saturday night win in Philadelphia. They won the game. That's all that mattered. I mean, mm-hmm. they were abysmal on that. I mean, they only took, they didn't take a, they took two three-pointers, I think it was, in the first quarter. And they only made two in the first half, and then they decided to turn it on in the second half. They beat a crappy Philadelphia team. But at least, like we talked about last week, they're beating most of the teams that they should beat. Yeah, but they got to stop waiting till the third quarter. They have to stop waiting. They've been getting off it's to such NBA. slow yeah, starts, But though. it's the NBA, and, it's the, the, and especially last night, they're on the road. And yeah, but this isn't what they did last year. This isn't, they didn't wait too long to turn it on. 
They might have had a slow start for the first five, ten minutes of the game, right. but they, it wasn't a first half that was slow or a first quarter and a half that was slow. They need to start turning it on quicker because when they turn it on, they abuse teams. I think what I really want to see, Ben, and we'll wrap it up here, I want to start to see them getting back to the, last year's defense and everybody playing at the defensive level they did last year. Because that, if you ask anybody in that locker room, you ask Brad Stevens, you ask the assistants, that's where the biggest drop-off has been to start this season. They're not nearly as good defensively uh, for you know 90 feet of the court as they were last year year they were much much better and they've got to get back to that point oh it's been a pleasure you got me in a better mood well that's good yeah i'm happy I, for you for that i mean I, and i have a smile on my face and i'm talking it's not with a, a smile. fake smile either. no it's not a batman smile or a joker smile like you said at the beginning smile. of the podcast but that'll be a wrap for this week's celtics podcast brought to you by jbl my name is mike petralia you can follow me on twitter at trags t-r-a-g-s ben kitchen can be followed at at Young Ben W-E-E-I. All right, that'll do it. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.